following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. If you would, let's open up uh, God's Word, uh, our Bibles, to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, Deuteronomy is on the left-hand side of your Bibles. So you got uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy is a series of sermons uh, by Moses and is given to the Israelites who are essentially um, on the edge of going into the promised land. For those of you that know the Old Testament text, uh, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and then God rescued them, and then he promised to Abraham this land. And so Deuteronomy is uh, right before they go and take over the land. Um, as you're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 30, I was reminded about uh, an old quote from uh, an old dead person, which is Aristotle. Uh, but he says, what we repeatedly do, and I don't know where Aristotle stood with the Lord Um, But it's interesting, he believed that excellence was not an act, but a habit. And I would take that a step further. I would say that godly excellence is a habit. Daily deciding who I am going to serve. Will I serve the Lord or will I serve myself? And this, this is kind of what Moses is talking about. Now, It's interesting because these Israelites have traveled a path, and travelers often reach a point when traveling called a crossroad. We're in the Evangelical Free Church, it's under affiliations, and we have a church in Plymouth um, called Crossroads. And Crossroads Church, um, it just means you're you're at this impasse, You're, you're at this point where you have to decide which choice will I make. Will I choose the right or the left? Will Israel choose to follow the Lord or will they embrace disobedience? And that's kind of our word, like all year we've talked about obedience and are we going to obey the Lord? Are we going to disobey the Lord? We come every single week, every single day, every month, every year with this crossroads, this impasse. We either embrace obedience discipline ourselves, see the blessings that come from that, or we face these these consequences. So Deuteronomy 30 is really Moses talking about we're at an impasse, we're at a fork in the road. And as we travel down this, this road, understand that if you choose life, real life, a life that honors the Lord, you will see a full life. I didn't say an easy life, but a full life. And you can have the opportunity to cultivate that life through a habit of obedience. And so today, this is what we're all about. Deuteronomy 30, how do we cultivate this habit of obedience? So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1. Moses speaking, and when all these things have come to you, he get to the end of Deuteronomy in these last couple chapters, Moses is kind of summarizing for the people, everything that he's just said. So if this is your first week here and you're thinking to yourself, I missed 29 chapters, Moses has got you covered. 
He says, when these things have come to you, the blessing and the curse, you can put in there the obedience or the disobedience, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. And you return to the Lord your God. Now notice how many times as we read this text together, the Bible says turn. It talks about turning. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. You see it over and over and over again. You turn to the Lord. Verse 2, your children turn to the Lord. And when you turn to the Lord, you obey his voice in all that I have commanded you. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you. He will gather you again from all people where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you, and he will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God, verse 5, will bring you into this land that your fathers possessed. Now, Deuteronomy talks about this land in regards to the Israelites as an actual land. All right, This is the land of Canaan. For us in the New Testament, we realize this is a heavenly land. This is our ultimate Zion when we're with God, our promised land, presence with Christ our Savior, physical presence with Christ our Savior, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. Whoa, say whoa. I just wondered if you'd say it, sorry. <clears throat> Moses repeatedly urged Israel, like I said, to turn. He's going to have them turn to the Lord to follow his commandments. Now notice in those first five verses, he's telling them of blessings for obedience and curses for rebellion. He's giving them motivation Moses is the best motivational speaker. He is saying, I want you to follow God's commands. However, Moses is a real leader because he knows that the Israelites are going to disobey. He realizes that there's going to be curses that come upon them. There's going to be things like exiles that scatter them among pagan nations after they take the promised land. Moses can kind of see the writing on the wall. He wants them to obey, but he understands, man, you're going to disobey. And we who know the Bible really well, we can see this come to fruition in 2 Kings chapter 17. But if Israel would come to her senses and turn back to the Lord in times of repentance, God would intervene and he would restore them. Look at verse 3. It says that he would restore them and bring back a time of prosperity greater than they would ever know. Now, this is prophetic language. And this is key for us today as we study this passage in Deuteronomy 30 because all of the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, all of them professed to a great restoration to the promised land that would take place. But that would not come true until the second advent. First advent is Christmas time. That's when we celebrate the fact that Christ came. Second advent is when Christ comes again. So there's a lot of prophetic words here where Moses starts to speak like the prophets will start to speak about a time where a great Messiah will come and it will be right before the beginning of his millennial reign. So if you're taking notes in your Bible, right next to Deuteronomy 30, I write Revelation 20. Because there's a connection piece there. You go from Old Testament law to major and minor prophets, and then you move into gospel accounts of Jesus, who talks like Old Testament prophets, to Revelation, where John says this is the reality that's going to happen and take place. We all talk about the need 
to turn to the Lord, away from ourselves and to the Lord. Well, how does Israel, going back to the text, in verse 6, return to the Lord? Well, let's look at that. And the Lord your God, verse 6, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. And he'll do this so that you will love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your soul that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep his commandments that I obey, that I command you today. Verse 9, the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the works of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, and the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will align, or again take delight in prospering you, as he did with your fathers. Now, I love verse 10, because it says, When you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you, and there's the word again, turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. Moses, in these verses, is telling Israel, in order to turn back to the Lord, they have to have a circumcised heart by God. And this is the only way Israel could love the Lord and live. That's verse 6, but it's also in verse 16 too as well. Having a circumcised heart was like removing a thick layer of resistance or hardness that shielded someone's innermost being. It was like peeling back the protective layer of an onion. It was revealing a tender core that was beneath. God's people are a tender people. It's like in a circumcised heart, our hearts are purified and made sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, allowing us to have a true relationship, a true intimacy with God, where we're able to respond to his love and guidance. And this all comes through, now notice this, this all comes through faith. Moses is talking about faith in the text. Moses is talking about how you have to have faith. This shoots us straight from Old Testament text into New Testament text, straight from Old Covenant promise to New Covenant promise. Everything mentioned in verse 7 through 10 is prophetic. It speaks of future events. Now, if we were to jump over from, let's say, Bremen, Indiana, all the way over to Israel, Israel is this large, secular nation. There's many Orthodox Jews that are over there who haven't completely turned to the Lord. However, even though this is true, God's promise still stands. He declared that he will restore them spiritually and promises, verse 6, to circumcise the hearts of the Israelites. Now, this Verse is tough because we know that God never breaks his promise. So how does God circumcise the hearts of the Israelites? Does that mean that every Jew will come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? That's what we want to know. And many passages speak about this. For example, look at the screen. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and I will put my new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Paul said in Romans chapter 11, all Israel will be saved. Even Jesus himself declared in Matthew chapter 23, I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he's talking to the Jews. So what does that mean? 
Well, first of all, when Paul says all Israel will be saved, he does not mean every Jew living at Christ's return will be saved. Many of them will not, due to their failure to turn or repent to the Lord. In Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 34, it speaks of the removal of these Jewish rebels. So keep Romans in context with the rest of the Bible. In Romans, we realize another way of what Paul is trying to say is he's saying all Israelites who turn from sin and repent and trust in Christ will be forever with God in the future promised land in Zion. This is where we in Jesus, there's no longer any Jew or Gentile. We are all underneath the umbrella of Christ when we trust in faith. And as us as Gentiles today, we would ask, how does that apply to me? Well, knowing this, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how you grew up, where you grew up, what your mom and dad believed, what your mom and dad didn't believe. We see here that there must be a turning to the Lord from every person to obey his voice and keep his commandments. This is the one that Moses taught, that Jesus affirmed. And the Lord, when we turn and repent of our sins, trust in Jesus Christ, he takes delight in prospering us. Now, some of us don't like that word prosper. Because <laughs> we look at it and we say, that sounds kind of worldly, right? Like, I didn't say God will prosper you in regards to monetary success. I said God will prosper you in regards to spiritual maturity as he took delight in doing it for Israel. It's no wonder Jesus, when he stands in Matthew chapter 23, and he laments over Jerusalem as a nation, he is sad because he sees the Jews running away from, G, from, from God like chicks running under their mother's wings for safety in times of danger. Where the Jews rejected, the Gentiles received access. And it is it's hard for us to watch this happen and transpire because the same thing happens today. It's extremely hard to see somebody not turn away from the Lord, turn, or excuse me, turn away from themselves into the Lord. But it calls us to realize all must repent, believe the gospel, turn to the Lord, obey his voice, and keep his commands. Now, this is interesting. Look at uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 22. This is also in Galatians chapter 3. This is on the screen, but it says, This righteousness is given to us through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So underneath the new covenant, new promise, we see no more Jew, no more Gentile. People are just coming to Jesus through faith. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know that passage, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. Let me give you one more. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, the American church reads this so flippantly. And we forget what we turned away from and what we turned towards. For he himself is our peace. Isn't it funny how we say every Sunday, peace be with you. And we say that because we're reminding, because we need reminded that we have to turn away from ourselves and turn to the Lord. Who has made the two groups one, and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in the flesh the law which is commands and regulations. His purpose in doing this, talking about Jesus, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And we learn in the New Testament letters that we are living stones being built into the temple of God. So this is a good reminder for us as believers 
of who we once were and who we are now. This is a call for people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus, but this is also a call to cultivate a habit of obedience that starts with turning to the Lord, first at salvation, and then continuing to turn to the Lord. Many of us today have professed that we have turned to the Lord, but yet we do not continually turn to the Lord in our daily endeavors. Like a seed planted in fertile soil, ready and willing to grow into a fruitful tree. This is what Moses calls. He's talking about choosing continual life. Choosing abundant life found in obedience. Will you serve yourself or will you serve your Savior? Now, go to verse 11. And let's talk about choosing life. Verse, um, let's go one, or 11, excuse me. For this commandment, that I command you today is not too hard. I love that, right? It's like parents who are uh, raising kids. I didn't ask you anything tough. This isn't, this isn't too hard for you. Now notice Moses says that God's love and mercy is available to you who seek him with a repentant heart. It's not too hard for you. And Moses commands them that they aren't like distant stars, unattainable or out of reach. God's commands are a well-lit path that leads us through the dark times of life. It's funny how many people I talk to that say, who are going through crisis and trial, if I did not have God and his word, I do not know what I would do. It's amazing how many people who slip away from this life into the next, who, who love, who are, who are believers who love to hear uh, the old hymns of the faith or, or, or praise songs or, or uh, the word just read to them. For those of you who are dealing with that, never forget the power of just opening Scripture and reading it to people who are in distress. God's commands serve as a guiding light, illuminating the way, providing clarity during uncertainty. And Moses, look at this, in verse 11 he says, They're in our reach. They're in your hearts through faith. And he encourages God's people to choose God's commands as they're clearly laid out and can be followed. So there's three choices here. Verse 12. Some people were looking in the wrong places. (laughs) Look at verse 12. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither does it beyond the sea that you should say who will ever go to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. Now, well, the law was given by God to Moses. We call that the Torah. It wasn't too far off. You can underline that in verse 11. Meaning, God is not asking Israel to do the impossible. God isn't asking you to do the impossible. Israel could keep God's commands. They could speak it. Now, notice the ways that you can do God's commands. You can speak them. You can know them. It's in your heart. But God knew Israel and all humanity would disobey. So the law points to the need for a perfect sacrifice that man would need to trust God to provide. Which leads us into the New Testament because Paul quotes Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 in Romans chapter 10 verse 6. And he shows how Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. And Paul says that Jesus is the only person to have lived a perfect life. So God's Old Testament law shows his righteousness. 
Then in the New Testament, Christ comes as a perfect example of following Old Testament law. Many of us look to Jesus and we say, oh, I love Jesus because he died on the cross from our sins. I love Jesus because he rose again from the dead. I love Jesus because he ascended to the right hand of God. Those are all true. I love Jesus because he models for me exactly how to live. There are so many times where if we would just open up the New Testament and look at the Gospels and say, oh, Jesus does this, I'm going to do that. Jesus does this, I'm going to do that. That's the disciples following their rabbi, their teacher. They're just doing what he does. And so, in other words, what Moses says is, what man couldn't do, Christ does. And he models for it, or he models it well for you. So, man tried to follow God's law, comes up short. Christ comes in, sacrifices his life for humanity, leaves with a choice. Turn to the Lord in faith or reject him. Jesus' life. If you follow it, and, and do this, open up your, your Bibles, read the Gospels this week. Jesus, in his life, constantly just turns to the Heavenly Father and does his will in all things, in tough love and in soft love. His whole life is in service for the Heavenly Father, and he demonstrates what it looks like to turn in faith to him. And Moses says, look at that very last verse in 14, he says, it is near you. You don't need to go to heaven or beyond the sea. It is near you. You can turn to him and you can trust him. It's kind of like the sun. You don't have to travel to the sun to feel its warmth. Matter of fact, if you did, it would blow you up, right? But on a summer day, you just walk outside. Christ's nearness is one decision away. We, we think about this all the time in regards to saved, not saved, but we don't think about this in daily dependent obedience. Christ is near you. He is one choice away. So the question on the table is, verse 15, do I choose that life, living in God's commands, or do I choose myself? In verse 15, he says, See, I set before you today life and good or death and evil. You choose, Israelites. You choose, church. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I commanded you today by loving the Lord your God, that's turning to him, and walking in his ways, that's obedience, and keeping his commands, that's sanctification, and trusting his statutes and his rules, then you will live. Not only will you live, but you'll multiply. That's Matthew 28. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So Moses never taught the Israelites that they were justified by obeying the law. As a matter of fact, early in Genesis, Moses said that Abraham was justified by faith in the Lord in Genesis 15. Here Moses talks about what fellowship looks like after faith. Moses says to find Real full enjoyment of life depends on obeying God and taking him at his word. Many of us don't enjoy life because we don't take God at his word. Many of us don't enjoy the life that God has given us because we don't trust his word. And here, Moses says to find full enjoyment of life depends on obeying God's word. He says, verse 16, walking in his ways. No one is justified by law. But believers find blessing when we're obedient to it. Now, this reminds me of all the gift cards that you have in your purse or pocket. I am amazed at how many times uh, gift cards aren't utilized, right? Raise your hand if you just have gift cards laying around. You haven't used them yet. Like 90% of the church, right? 
And some of you uh, get real clever with them because graduation oak houses come around and you put them in cards and you're like, here, I haven't been able to enjoy it, so by all means. <clears throat> and maybe I'm just speaking for us, um, but it's how it goes. Sometimes you guys uh, pick uh, restaurants based off of your gift card choices, right? You want to go out to dinner tonight? Yeah, where do we have gift cards to? And you pull out a big pile and you're like, okay, we can go to Texas Roadhouse, we can go to Olive Garden, we can go to, well, I don't even know where this place is at, right? It's in a whole different country. Um, <clears throat> but you receive them without having to do anything to earn it. Gift cards are very much like justification by faith. But once you receive the gift card, there's certain ways that you can use it to experience its full blessings. You have to follow its guidelines. Once we've been justified by faith, we strive to live in obedience to God's word to experience the fullness of life he has for us. Let me give this to you real tangibly. Some of you are trying to use God's gift cards in worldly pursuits and endeavors, and you need to stop. Because really, God looks at us and he says, obedience to the law cannot earn us justification. It can bring blessing and benefits in our walk with God when we do as he said to do them. We call this worship. When God blesses our life and we use those blessings by turning to him in our daily endeavors, those are acts of worship. That's Romans chapter 12. Just as gift cards are a free gift that comes with instructions, salvation by faith is a free gift that comes with instructions on how to live out that relationship with God in a way that brings mature fellowship with God and see the fullness of his many blessings. So Moses says, turn to the Lord, choose this great, wonderful life with the living God by following his commands. And look at 17, and he says, please, 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 don't disobey. In verse 17, he says, but if your heart turns away, and I think Moses says this like, like, like a father that's just compassionate and, and he hurts because he knows what's going to take place, but are drawn away to worship other gods. Biggest sin in the Old Testament is always idolatry. And you serve them. I declare to you today that you shall perish. You won't live in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. I gave you the choice. I put this in front of you. Blessings and curse. And therefore, knowing all these things, choose life that you and your offspring may live, that you may love the Lord your God. You may obey his voice. Hold fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. That you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and that he gave to them. Now notice this in verse 17. He says, if someone was drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. Moses says this type of disobedience is going to bring catastrophe upon your life. It's going to lead to being destroyed or killed or taken captive. But in verse 19, it says, if you choose life, you and your children, you can live. You can teach obedience. You can pass that on to your kids. Since the Lord was Israel's life, it is no wonder that Moses concludes the chapter urging the people, look at verse 16, to love the Lord, listen and obey him, and hold fast to him. Now, I, I brought up gift cards, and I know that, that kind of works a little bit, but houseplants work even better. 
Because many of us are really good at killing houseplants. It's like our spiritual gift, right? We're just, we're just really good at it. Uh, we have a lot of them in, in, in our um, house. Bethany's got a green thumb and our, our houseplants live. But our plants live because they're watered and given sunlight to thrive. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, Bethany looked at me. She says, I got to move that plant out of the shade and into the light. And I thought, man, Deuteronomy 30, come to life. But when we neglect, now let, just, just track with me for a second, because this is exactly what Moses is saying. If you neglect to put yourself in the light, and if you neglect to let God water your life by turning to him in obedience, then you're just asking for death. Just as a plant withers and dies without proper care, your spiritual life does the same thing when you don't obey God's word. So, so here's the questions that I asked myself, and maybe you can ask them today too as well. I just asked myself this just, just this whole past week. Where have I turned to the Lord, and where did I turn to myself? Those are good questions. I, I'm a, a big journaler. Uh, a journal in the morning and then a journal at, at night. And that was my question all day long. Uh, in the morning, I, I, I would write, Lord, here's where I want to turn to you today uh, in, in work and in um, relationship and with my kids and all of those things. Just write out the list. Here's, here's where I want to tangibly do that. These are markers for success for the day. And at the, at the end of the day, I looked at it and I was like, okay, here's where I, I, I accomplished those things with the Lord's help. And here's where I fell short. And I just ask, am I, am I living in the light of Christ? Am I watering the relationship in obedience to God's commands? We've talked about this in Deuteronomy, the first 29 chapters, but you have these little covenant uh, um, recommitting ceremonies that you can have all the time in reading God's word and spending time in prayer and doing what he's asked you to do. Obedience is like a well-tuned instrument that plays in perfect harmony with the conductor's instructions. So right now, if, if you haven't turned to the Lord, that's number one. But if we have, I think Moses constantly calls us, he's like, hey, this is, this is the time when we gather to worship. And I'm seeing this more and more the older I get, that when we gather on Sunday morning, this is kind of our recommitting time. To, to Lord, we turn to you together and we want to follow you. Because it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our life. It's what we do consistently that shapes our life. We say this uh, when people get baptized. Because they get up here and they share their testimony. We know they're nervous and they're, they're a little tentative about sharing their faith. And we're like, hey, this is the first time of many times that you're going to share your testimony. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, God calls you to constantly do this, to constantly obey. And so here's the fork in the road. Here's the crossroads. Here's the decision. Will we turn to the Lord and follow his commands and embrace this, this life of joy and peace? Or will we deviate from his path and welcome some of those painful repercussions? I think some of us today are gathered here and we know this all too well because this past week we have chosen to follow ourselves, and we find ourselves in turmoil. And that's where it's great because God looks at us and he says, let's try again. Let's try to do this again. Just as travelers must consider their options when the forks in the road come, Deuteronomy 30 urges us to make wise choices that align with God's will. Knowing that your decisions have a significant impact on your spiritual growth. Because like, here's where, here's where we're at. We're preparing for our heavenly Zion. Hmm, let me pray for you. Um, heavenly Father, uh, what a good word. Um, 
yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I just, I just praise you that you walk with me and that you talk with me and you call me your own. And, and the same is true for many of us here today. And then, Lord, I just uh, I praise you for the ways that you allow us to turn from you. We're, we're sinners. We fall short of this. And then we find ourselves like overwhelmed sometimes with the, the things that we've done this week that have just been for our own glory and not your glory. So we repent of that. Um, and then we just ask that you would help us to, to try again. And not on our own efforts, not on our own strivings, but through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. If you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with God through faith and trust in Him. If you're listening online, make that decision today. It's very simple, but it takes all your heart. It says, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of that sin. I need a Savior. I ask that you would come into my life and lead me and guide me. I'm at this crossroads where I'm tired of serving myself and I want to serve something greater. I want to serve you who love me enough to die on the cross for my sins. For those of us who are here today who are believers, just pour out your heart to the Lord and say, God, help me to turn to you and to trust you. To be obedient to you in all these situations that we encounter. To love your spouse well, like Jesus. To love your mission field that the Lord has entrusted to your care. To love your parents. Whether that's those of us who are young and have Younger parents or those of us who are older and just have parents who, who need us to take care of them as their days are fleeting. Turn to the Lord and trust Him in regards to job situations, work situations. As we honor the graduates today, Lord, I'm reminded that you call us to the same call. To love you with all that we think, say, and do. From the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night. To love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. We can't do it without you, Lord. We thank you so much that you give us the ability to worship you in, in all the little things. Help us this week as we go about our endeavors. May they be for you and for your glory and may they... Just be something that you look at us later on and say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.